Cancer journey is unique for everyone. It is time to figure out our new normal and there's no one size fits all manual. Welcome to the Cancer Cliff Notes podcast with Jen Cochran, because surviving is just the beginning. Hi, I'm Jen Cochran and welcome to episode 13 of the Cancer Cliff Notes. My guest today, Marlo Nicola, is a transformational leader and healer for healers. She primarily hosts peaceful magic retreats from her own retreat sanctuary with her hubby in Hood River, Oregon. She guides healers around the world to elevate their personal healing practices through the potency of true surrender, allowing them to dissolve their stress and resistance while playing with energy. This allows them to do their life's work with more peace and magic. It's the same peaceful magic practice she used through her own breast cancer experience, and it is that magic she's here to share with us today. Welcome, Marlo. I'm really excited to have you here today to share your breast cancer journey with us. Could you share a little bit about your diagnosis and where your journey started? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Jennifer, for giving this. It's actually been a while since I've shared it, so I'm hoping it comes to the surface. (laughs) I actually went in just for a mammogram because it was time, and I've been going through menopause. I, I was just needing a baseline with my new naturopath that I was working with, and so I went in, and they found a suspicious spot. So they wanted to do a biopsy. Last sep- or September of 2017, they called with the news that it came back cancer. I wasn't expecting that at all. Like I was just expecting like it to be normal, like my last one was. And, you know, cause I was relatively healthy, just going through this menopause experience. And after I let it settle and just like, okay, this is what's in front of me. I had my freak out moment and shock and, you know, called Dwayne and my husband and had to get really just present with it. I allowed myself that time to just be with it. Cause they were already telling me like, you need to call the surgeon, you need to do all this stuff. So it was like, they gave me things to do, but I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> like, let me just be with this information first. Yeah. I think it's really easy to get swept up in the machine. Yes. I had no idea. I had no idea. Like I didn't have any previous experience with friends or really family or anybody. So I was going in completely, I wouldn't say blind, but I just, I didn't have that in my awareness. And so I wasn't really sure what to expect or what was about to come. So I ended up in our talk before this, you know, I was mentioning how I didn't do any research, even after the diagnosis, I just wanted to be with what was showing up for me emotionally and the messages that were coming in and how I was sharing with people And so I went to the surgeon a week later, and that's when I feel like I really got educated because at this point, I didn't know what kind it was. I didn't know anything about it. I went and got really excited because the surgeon was a Reiki master. She was a yoga teacher. And so I'm like, okay, I can settle in with, you know, a surgeon that kind of would get me. Right. She was your people. Yeah. And so I went in. And she, it was all like new language. (laughs) It was just really overwhelming. And there's just this expectation that you're going to have surgery and then you're going to have chemo for a year. And then you're going to do this for five years. And I was like, wait a minute, like, where's my choice in here? And because it came back with um, stage one and uh, it was HER2 new. And so that's where that was the automatic chemo thing. And 
and the tamoxifen and you know and all that so I just had to sit back with like even this like oh my gosh like I want to have a choice in this I don't want to just get plugged into a system even though they say it's personalized it's like it doesn't feel very personalized to me and so we left and I was really really upset like that's where a lot of stuff really started showing up. Before that, I was really positive. And this time it's like, oh my gosh, like I, I kind of spiraled down and it really scared my husband because I'm usually a very positive person. And he's like, Marley, you just need to be positive. We're going to get through this. I'm like, let me have my freak out. Let me just have this because if I can't share this with you, I'm going to need to share it some other way because I don't want this stuck in my body. Like I know enough about emotional intelligence that it needs to move out through me. So that I'm not making decisions from here because I knew at the beginning I was going to make a commitment to doing this with peace and I was going to experience a lot of magic. And so I got home and I was reading the book Crazy Sexy Kitchen. That was something um, that another friend reminded me of that resource and we kind of formed a little support group where people were doing the juicing with me and like doing a lot of these things and reading the book together. So that was really helpful that kind of got started in the first week of the new. And I remember reading in her book how she was the CEO of Save Your Own Ass Technology. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I like that. Like, I want to be that. And she's like, you get to interview the doctors. You get to interview, you know, you get a choice in here. And so it's like, oh, maybe the surgeon isn't my person, you know, just because that she had the Reiki experience and the yoga experience. So I am like, I really want to do this as naturally as possible with people who are going to support that kind of mindset. Because the surgeon was like, you need surgery. And then those things are there to support you in that. And it's like, I kind of wanted the other experience. I'd rather be more supportive in the natural way. And then if Western medicine needed to come in, then it would. So I sought out a naturopath that specialized in breast cancer. She turned me on to another surgeon that I immediately had an appointment with. And I just got more and more clear about how I wanted to experience this. The surgeon that I found was the head of the whole breast cancer department. And I actually, she was the first one. I'm like, okay, I want to find out more about her. So I went onto YouTube and learned about her. And she sings to her patients. And she's just so, I felt like I could be held and nurtured and loved by her. And so we met with her. And this whole time I like wondered like the lab work, like it just didn't feel right to me. And like, there was no like second opinion, you know, there's just nothing like that. And the surgeon, the first thing she said to me, she was like, I'm, I realize you're coming for a second opinion. And I looked at your lab work and it does not look right to me. So I had it set into our lab that specializes in looking at this came back where it wasn't her too new. So there was like the automatic chemo was just taken off. Yeah. It, it completely changes the scope. Right. And the trajectory or like, yes. And the risk because people that are HER2 positive in the past, before the targeted treatments were developed, the risk of metastatic breast cancer was exponentially higher than it is today with those treatments. Right. Yeah. If there's a theme through all of my experience, it was surrender. It was really being with what I wouldn't let myself be with. So when I was first, you know, said I'm going to need chemo and all this, it's like, okay, I need to 
how can I be okay with needing chemo and not thinking it's poison coming into my body? Because I know enough about how powerful our mind is that I needed to find a way to be okay no matter what. Thankfully, I got to that place of surrender. It's like, okay, if I need to do chemo, I'm going to do it with love and compassion and peace and open to magic and then find out that I actually don't, I didn't need to go down that route, but I, I wasn't doing it out of avoidance of it anymore, which was really significant. And I would say too, that with the naturopath that I went with, the gift that she gave me, not only did she gift me with this surgeon that was incredible, but she gifted me with the harmonizing of Western medicine and natural medicine, because I realized I was adamantly resisting and pushing Western medicine and making them wrong and bad. And so for me, the whole journey was about harmonizing so that there was no resistance anywhere. And that way I could really make decisions from a clean, clear, conscious choice versus it being fueled by fear or avoidance or pushing anything away or proving something. That kind of was a thread that actually is what I carry through my whole life. And I'm just grateful that it was really present for me in this experience too. I love that openness to both sides of the coin. I think it's so important. So often I hear people go one way or the other. They approach it from a place of judgment. Oh, for sure. Honoring everyone's choice is, I think, so important. And when we can look at all the choices from a more objective, open place, it's interesting because I had a similar reaction to what I think you had to chemo. I had a similar reaction to radiation. I just felt from the beginning like that was not going to be a right thing for me. And as I got further and further down the path, it was really clear that it was not a right thing for me. And we even spent three hours with a radiation oncologist. We walked out, I said to my husband, first impressions. And he said, she said at least five things that indicated that this isn't necessary. We already know that you're absolutely going to have issues because of my body and how my body reacts. And as a person who's super in tune with their body, when you can draw those connections and be open to all the options, I felt like I had taken a lot of steps. I had done a lot of things. The numbers we were talking about were not significant enough for me to risk losing the ability to move my arm which was a real possibility for me. Right. Yeah. That's the other thing that I feel like was really important. Just like what you shared is at the very beginning, another intention I set for myself was, and this was through Chris Carr's book, that I was going to get to know my inner MD. And as I wrote that, I'm like, I don't know if that's even possible. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) But at the end, looking back, tuning into my intuition and knowing what was right for me, knowing that this was not the right surgeon for me. Like I want to be held. I want to be loved on. I don't want it to just be this very clinical thing. Even if she checks all these boxes, she was just not right for me. And like honoring that that is my truth. It doesn't mean she's a bad surgeon or shouldn't, doesn't know what she's doing. It's just like, I knew the energy that I wanted to be embraced by, you know, like we can be on the path as far as we want and then we can unplug when we know it's time to unplug. And that's what happened to me too. It's like, I, I went to this place where soon after the diagnosis, I was able to drop in and know that no matter what happens, I'm okay. That took me to like this deep level of serenity of just like nothing that can happen. It's just about the experience. It's just about what am I choosing to to do here, but underneath it all, I'm okay. And so I actually did that where I was like, 
even if I do radiation, I'll be okay. If I do chemo, I'll be okay. So I kind of got caught up in that momentum. And I remember Dwayne going to the radiation appointment with me. You know, I was like willing to like, all right, this is just my experience. You know, like I almost a little too flowy maybe <laughs> in that regard. <laughs> and after we left, Dwayne's like, you're seriously considering that based on what they just said? I'm like, yeah, because I'll, I'll be okay either way. He's like, yeah, but really think about like what this means. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not going to do radiation. Like that, it doesn't make sense. You know, when I think about like go to a, a used car salesman show, they're going to try to sell you a car. You know, you go to a radiologist, they're going to sell you radiation. Or if you go to a surgeon, they're going to sell you surgery. I so tell I'm my like, clients that all the time. Surgeons yeah. do surgery. Yeah, yeah what they do. It's not bad. It's just who they are. Like that's their solution. Right. And come in with your own sense of self and what your, yeah, your own empowerment in that. Yeah. The radiation oncologist walked into the room and the first thing she said was, I'm here to convince you that you need to do this. Wow. And we both laughed and said, be our guest. I had had cording on my left arm from my lymph node removal, and I had fully restored my mobility. Prior to starting chemo, I had reported to my oncologist session three of my chemo, hey, my cord is advancing and receding during chemo. And when he palpated the cording in my arm, he looked at me shocked because then he asked me to move my arm and I had full mobility and he couldn't believe that with the amount of cording he was feeling that I had full mobility. And I came back to him after the meeting with the radiation oncologist and he was saying, I really, really want you to consider this. And I said, I really want you to consider the amount of cording I have in my arm. We know lymphedema is made worse by radiation. I already have a very low level of lymphedema. I have cording in my ribs and my arm that I'm working very hard to mediate. And he looked at me and said, oh, because of how your body responds, you're at a greater risk for a capsule contracture and potentially long-term immobility of that arm. And I said, yes. And he was like, good, we're done. You don't have to do it. But it was really me making that case and coming from that place of advocacy and saying, I hear what you're saying, but we've also done these things and taken these steps. I'm okay with not taking that step. And my surgeon later was like, oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. My, my surgeon came in really supporting me on another decision because after my lumpectomy, so I did opt to do that. Margins were clear, nothing in my lymph nodes, um, healed really quickly. And I have to say, like, if, if you have to choose to do surgery, and it's around in the fall, choose for Halloween. It is the best time to go in and have surgery. Like you get greeted by Wonder Woman and there's <laughs> walking down the hallway. Like it was so fun. And I just felt super um, happy. And it, it just added a lot of that playfulness that I was looking for. All that to say, like the surgery went well. Then I went to the oncologist. It's been a while and I've been kind of unplugged from my whole experience. So I'm not as like up on the terminology and like, yeah, no worries. Specifics, but there was another test that they wanted to do just to see where I was on the scale. I went back to my surgeon for a follow up 
from the surgery and I told her that they were doing this test. She's like, oh, they're going to try to have you do chemo. If they do that, let me know because this is, you don't need to do that. And at this point, I already saw like where there's some animosity between the surgeon telling the oncologist what to do and the oncologist not wanting this, you know, like even though they say they work together, there's like <laughs> an interesting relationship playing out. Yeah, it's the whole specialists don't trump specialists, which makes me crazy. It is fascinating to witness. I kind of put that in my back pocket, but again, I still had the sense of like, well, she's a surgeon. These are the oncologists. And so I went to the oncologist appointment feeling like I was going to tell them that I'm not doing radiation, but instead it's this conversation of like, oh, your numbers came back in the mid range and we're going, we're encouraging you to do chemo you need to do chemo and this was in december and i'm like whoa wait what what are you talking about <laughs> like stage stage one clear margins no lymph node involvement and they're like well we're afraid that it will come back if it comes back it will go into your blood and you know like and then we can't do anything about it so we're doing this as a preventative thing and i'm like but you're giving me the same stuff you would give me if i had stage three or stage I just didn't make sense to me. So I had to like, just notice all the emotions that were coming up again about like, okay, losing my hair again, just stepping into my business to do retreats, being a healer, and then, you know, potential of looking sick, all these things. And I'm grateful it came up because it just let me be with them so much more so that I not again, ruled by these fears. And so um, I came home and I was with all of that stuff um, really intently. And I actually decided I needed to put a hat on my head and look at myself in the mirror and said, are you still willing to show up in your business and in your retreats going through chemo and, and losing your hair and doing all this stuff. And, and within a few minutes, like it went from a head yes to a heart yes, where I could actually be with that version of me. And then it didn't own me anymore. And so I just kept spending time with whatever the edges were of what was showing up. There was the fear of doing chemo and dying and it causing more issues. And then there's the fear of not doing chemo and dying. And then people thinking that the natural route's not the way to go. And so it's like, oh my gosh. So fortunately, unfortunately, Wayne had already planned a anniversary trip for us the next day <laughs> to go stay in tree houses because we celebrate our anniversary by the alphabet. We were on letter T. So he took me to Vashon Island, to this place that had a tree house for us to stay in. And it just gave me some more time to settle in with all this information. And there was a healer there. I was telling her what I was kind of, I was in the space where I was needing to make a decision. And I wasn't clear about what that was yet. And she said, well, I know what I would do. I'm like, oh, really? What? Because <laughs> I hadn't talked to anybody else. And she's like, well, it would have to be a really high percentage of benefit before I would even consider chemo. And I was like, oh, well, what would be that percentage? And she said 70 to 80%. And I'm like, oh, well, that feels right for me. And that feels more true, even though I, who knows, like big picture what that would be for other people. But mine was only like maybe 1%, 2% benefit. And they were suggesting I do chemo. And it just kind of put it in with more perspective. Like, oh, yeah, I don't. I don't need to do that. So anyway, she had this healing session and afterwards I just felt super clean and super clear. And I just saw myself unplugging, just stepping off of the conveyor belt, not villainizing the conveyor belt and not again, making anything wrong on either side. It was just like, 
oh, my choice is this clean, clear path of like, I'm not doing radiation and I'm not doing chemo. It's just simple as that. And then I had an appointment with my surgeon later that, that day and just a follow up. And I told her, she's like, do not do chemo. Like she had all this like support around it. Like I already made the decision. I didn't need that. But she even asked all of her other oncologists in a board director kind of meeting, and they all came back saying that they would have, wouldn't suggest I do chemo. So I just had all this other support that I think made my family feel better. Yes. <laughs> making my choice. I think it's really validating as well. As we're going through this process, there is that little bit of, okay, I'm going to drop in mm-hmm. and see what's true for me. And how that feels for me. But then there is the noise may not be the right word, but there's the the people that are contributing. There's the team that's contributing their view. And sometimes it can cause us to say, hmm, this is what I'm feeling. This is what they're saying. How do I reconcile those two? And it's a journey. It's definitely a journey. I am loving, I'm loving this conversation. There's so many juicy things and we're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Enjoying the Cancer Cliff Notes podcast? Come on over to the Facebook group where you can join the community and participate in the conversation during the week. I hope to see you there. Now back to the show. Welcome back. I'm here with Marlo Nicola and we're sharing her breast cancer journey. I love the idea of really dropping in and moving through with a spirit of receiving and magic. And we were talking off air about creating the book club for with Chris Carr's book. You mentioned creating a healing circle for yourself and Receiving is such a challenging item in our society in general today. We just have a really hard time with that receiving. And I think the reality is a lot of people don't know what we need in the moment, and then they don't know how to support us. And then we have trouble receiving support, and it's that whole dance of navigating that. And I think that's one of the beautiful, beautiful things that came from your journey. So I would love for you to share a little bit about the creating the book club and then asking for the healing circle. Yeah, great. I'm happy to, because I do agree with you that um, receiving is one of probably the hardest things for healers, for women, for mom. I mean, just in our culture in general, (laughs) minutes after my diagnosis, the message that came in very loud and clear was this is a time to receive in a way you've never received before. So true. I, I didn't know what that meant, but I knew that I was open to it. That meant that I needed to let people know. And there was a lot of shame that was kind of brought in like how did I create this for myself you know I was even teaching law of attraction and manifesting so there was like oh my gosh how did I create this what have I done wrong you know I've been this role model I'm vegan super healthy and now I'm living my dream of having retreats in my home and like all these things are going really great and now I have breast cancer and people are going to think you know like I had all in my head what that was so there's some shame and not wanting to share but it's like for receiving I have to let people know I wasn't ready to have conversations with any So I I opted for a group text or actually, I don't even know if it was a group text. I wrote a text and then I just copied and pasted it to individuals as they were appearing. It's like, okay, I want this person to know. I want this person to know. And because I was still very choosy about who I was letting into this inner circle, because I also know how powerful mindset and just the energy exchange. So I wrote in there and I was very, it's probably the first time that I was this direct. 
I said, my biopsy came back with breast cancer. I, um, I think I even saved the text. I should have looked at it before this, but basically it was just that I'm fine. And the thing that you can do to help me the most right now is to continue seeing me in perfect health and to move through whatever fears and guilt that you, or whatever is coming up for you, do your work to move through that so that you're not projecting it on me, <laughs> basically is what I said. Which is such an important realization for you to have before, because I feel like so many people that I talk to are surprised mm. by the projection. Mm-hmm. And the projection is super normal. Because when we share that information, it really is a lot less about us yeah, and a lot more about whatever reaction they're having. Right. And I didn't want to make what they were going through wrong either. Right. But I wanted to be very clear that I'm okay and that this is practice for all of us. So I felt like I'm kind of modeling how to move through this, even though that wasn't necessarily the, the purpose but it was like, I, I'm going to move through this how I'm living my life. And this is just like more amped up. So I know I mentioned, I believe it was when um, we weren't recording, but just that I, for a long time, even after cancer, I was saying that this was something that I felt deepened my practice. But what I realize now is that it was actually the depth of my practice that I was able to apply to this. So this was the application of the way I was living. I think just helped me get clear about this, how I want to be seen. And then after that, a friend um, wrote back and said, Hey, remember that Chris Carr book, you know, do you want to read this together? And I'm like, yes, that's great. Like I felt really supported from her suggesting that. And then I opened it up to other friends because we're military family. So I have friends from all over and we had just moved to our new community where we're landing for a long time. So I didn't have a local community of support, which is fine, but I, I was spread out really wide. The web was really wide. And, and so I had a lot of people who, um, yeah, were part of that. It was just a Facebook group that I created so that people could, and it was like an eight week kind of thing. And I just shared like what I was doing and, they would share what they were doing. And it just felt like we were all doing something together because there is this sense of like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to support. So I was providing the container that allowed me to receive, but also for them to contribute. And then I was reading a book called The Power of Eight by Lynn McTaggart. And I realized like, oh, I want a healing circle. I want a prayer circle when I have surgery. And so I put that out there to a lot of people and said, you know, my surgery is scheduled at this time and, you know, just spend 10 minutes, whether it's hula hooping outside, hugging a tree, going for a walk, being in meditation, praying, whatever that looks like for you, just know that we're all going to be doing it at the exact same time when I'm in surgery. And that's what I'm requesting. And I sent it out to hundreds of people. And what was really amazing to me too, this was part of receiving, is that I wasn't judging anybody who wasn't participating. And it was really helpful to see, because not everybody did, and not everybody has reached out, and not everybody has even talked to me about my experience even to this point. And it was just like, part of the receiving is letting go of expectations and judgment, just letting who shows up be the ones who show up. And that was really important for me to not have any like, oh, well, I can't believe so-and-so didn't say this, or they haven't done this. It's like, 
I was just grateful for who did show up because I was just in a complete open space for receiving. And it was the most amazing and magical four months of my life that has allowed even more openness for what I'm receiving now. Yeah, it was just really, really special. I'm really glad that I did that. And I have gotten a lot of feedback from people and what that was like for them to be on the other side of offering and giving. Because when I first thought about asking for the, the healing circle, I'm like, oh, that's really selfish. You know, like it'd probably be better if it came from someone else offering to offer me, you know, hey, let me do a healing circle for Marlo. But it's like, no, this is important for me to ask for, for me. So I'm doing it for me, but I'm also knowing that it's my responsibility to inform people because they don't know. I don't know how to support people when they're going through their stuff unless they give me a better sense of what that is. And so I knew it was important for me to do that so that they could also say yes to something and contribute, especially being long distance the way everyone was. And they had some really fabulous experiences just knowing that they're doing that with a whole group of other people. I really love that. I think it's so important that you did ask for that, that you had that idea, you had that vision of what was really going to hold you and support you in that moment of your surgery and asking for that. I think we do get held back by our brain chatter. We have an idea of what might be a different way to receive or be held or have our cup filled up in a a way that people can support us. Something in our brain tries to make us maybe not right in in that choice. And I think whether we're going through a journey like this or not, I think we all can benefit by really getting present to what we need. Yeah. You know, whether it's for ourselves or to ask of someone else in support. And too often we don't ask, how many times have you heard someone, you know, complaining about a spouse or a friend they didn't get something that they needed, but they never actually asked. Right. Yeah. So I feel like there's the asking piece, like there's being with yourself so that you understand like, what is it that would support me right now? Then there's the asking of it, but then there's the non-attachment, giving Mm -hmm. people a space to say no, giving people the space to go do whatever they need to do to take care of themselves. And then being in a space of receiving purely with no attachment, no expectations. It's an incredible process to be in that space, be the receiving end of that. And I think as a giver too, to know that there's no attachment or expectation. Yes. And I definitely found that for myself as well. There were people who fell away during that time that I was going through treatment or was actively doing the thing. After the fact, I found myself circling back and saying, hey, how are you? What's going on? Like, it doesn't matter. Your participation or non-participation, like, it's not the important thing right now. Yeah, I'm not keeping score. (laughs) Right, right. Like, I'm not, I'm not at all keeping score. Mm -hmm. People do what they need to do in the moment, but I'd like to know how you are. Right. I also found it interesting, like sort of after the fact for a few of those people who I might see them in the grocery store. It wasn't awkward for me and I didn't want it to be awkward for them either. Right. Right. It's an interesting sociological experiment (laughs) that we end up going through Mm -hmm. that no one prepares you for. No, I mean, but it is life. I mean, it's all an expression of life. And so even like looking in different Facebook groups and I would see how angry people were at the questions people were asking them or not asking them or the things they were doing or not doing. And I'm like, 
wow, like to me, if we look at those as like, these are triggers and how do I move through these triggers so that people can react and respond however they're going to respond and it doesn't affect me. Like that's right. kind of how I looked at this. It's like I'm coming one from this clean, clear energy so that other people can do what they need to do and I can receive in a, in a very different way. Absolutely. Bitterness and resentment and fear and all these things that come in. It's like, how do I, how am I being with those things? Like cancer is bringing those up to the surface for me to be seen and to be witnessed and to move through me so that I am more free on the other side of this experience. I would be curious to know how that continues to play out. Cause I know for me, I have different boundaries. I don't necessarily, if you ask me to do something that I maybe don't feel like I have the space to do, I'm going to question that more than I might have previously. And I notice that tends to trigger people. And then I just observe, oh, oh dear, my questioning that thing that I'm being asked to do that really isn't a priority for me really triggered them. That's interesting. And then I may circle back, like if that thing comes up again and I have to address it again, then I may ask the question differently. Like, hey, I notice Mm -hmm. that you're really upset with me about this thing. Can we talk about why that might be? Right. Yeah. And I love that because it it just does, it gives us a different perspective on how we approach things. And I know for me, the other thing that stood out as another theme is my over-responsibility for other people's reactions. Yes. So while, yes, I knew that creating this container would serve other people, it was coming from a different, like me not being responsible for them, but having the container created, but then noticing if I'm doing something out of over-responsibility, so I appease or you know, I guess some of us would consider it people pleasing, but just not taking ownership over their trigger. If I'm not triggered, then it doesn't mean that other people aren't triggered, but it doesn't mean that there's anything for it to like hit up against. Like there's no more resistance there. They can have their experience. Absolutely. I definitely have noticed for myself that that same sort of release of responsibility. Yeah. Releasing myself from that overthinking. Mm-hmm. Yes, not that I don't, not that I'm not concerned about the person, but not playing the scenario over and over and over. Cause yeah. also we might observe something, but then if we get hung up on that observation, it's still our own story. Right. That other person may or may not have given it a second thought. Exactly. <laughs> I've had many clients who have gotten upset with me because I've posed a question to them that they didn't like. Mm-hmm. And I've been yelled at before and I don't take that into the rest of my day. I just, that was the right question because mm-hmm. that question raised something. Right. Hmm. And then they took it and I've had people come back and say, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry that I yelled at you. And I'm like, it's okay. I didn't give it a second thought. I knew where it was coming from. Mm-hmm. And we can circle back around and have a conversation and they know that that's a place that's safe. And if they get upset, they are like, huh, why am I upset? Right. And then it's just more awareness. And yeah, it's so, it's so true. And like how I look at emotions now is that it's just energy that wants to move through my body, like not even labeling it or, I mean, there's still a noticing, but I don't need to over-process it anymore. Yes. You know, like it can just move in and out. Like there's more of a, a flow through my own body where it doesn't get stuck. It, when then that creates like a trigger and then a reaction. Like there's all this kind of um, stuff that got cleaned out, I think, through my cancer experience. And it's interesting. I feel like 
it was such a beautiful experience that I paced on top the rest of my life. And so right now, what I've been moving through is being in business. That's kind of been like something that's triggered me. It's like, well, how did I go through cancer? Let me go through my business in that way. And I've I've been able to do that in so many areas and there's just so much more lightness and freedom. So when you were asking like how this plays out, like it's playing out in my business now, even body image, you know, like I, so wherever I was stuck or sticky before, I'm just taking my cancer experience it and pasting it on top of whatever I'm moving through, through the place of surrender, through the place of receiving, through the place of being conscious clarity. And so it's just been this beautiful, like I was mentioning at some point in our conversation, and then it was an initiation for this way of being in my life. Yes. One of the things we talked about, and you started to allude to it earlier, but one of the things we talked about off air, I think a lot of people see people like we walk our talk, mm-hmm. we have good nutritional habits and we have a a strong exercise program and you know we're working on our mindset right like we're doing the things and all the right things and then we have this diagnosis and it's like whoa what and we do have that moment of there's that idea of manifesting Mm -hmm. and I I often feel like with cancer there are so many components that come together. There's our genetics, there's our environment, there's every environment we have lived in, in our life. There's so many components that come into play that doing all the great things that we do set us up for the ability to flow through in the smoothest, best way that we could. And we were strong people that had this problem. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit about off air, about letting go of that. How did I, like, did I create this? Yeah. Because the other voices that came in along with the receiving one was, oh, now you need to let go of sugar. And now you need to stop watching so much TV. Like, get your life back on track, you know, to do it even better and more perfect and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Cause going through menopause, like some things had slid. It, it was just fascinating. And so I went through this whole thing, like, okay, I'm back on track. I have control. Let me do these things to either have it go away or to move through this. And then I got to a place of completely surrendering of just saying, you know what? It is what it is. What if I did nothing? What if I did nothing to create? And it means that nothing I can do would you know, have it go away. And I actually just, I would talk through it and just say, you know what, I don't even need you to leave because I don't see that there's anything wrong here. You know, I just kind of your cancer cells that just decided to go rogue. That's all it is. And just took off the meaning. I stripped away all the meaning that I was placing and other people have been placing on cancer. And I let it just be at the basic level of what it really is. And then I'm like, now I get to choose what meaning I place on it. I get to choose how I'm going to move through this and what I'm going to make it mean for me. I love that. And I think that is such a beautiful golden nugget of your journey, just the manner in which you moved through your, your journey and the, and the magic. Yeah, there's tons of magic. One of my favorite stories 
other than even just my biopsy becoming a completely different scenario. And again, not saying that one's better than the other, but it just felt lighter to me. Um, but we were in the hospital. Like, actually, when I planned it on Halloween, I wasn't thinking of the playful and the fun side. So that in itself was really magical. But my mom came to visit. She wanted to be there. So she and um, Dwayne went to go have lunch. And I, and I was already kind of back in the, the bed where I couldn't, I wasn't walking around the hospital or anything like that. I said, keep your eyes open for unicorns. I would really love for a unicorn to show up today. And so they're off into um, lunch. And then my mom comes back and she's so giddy and happy and excited. She's like, Marlon, guess what we saw? And she showed me a picture of two unicorns that had walked into the restaurant as soon as they walked in. And so it was just the magic kind of just spread, you know, like it's let's put these intentions out there and see how they show up. Yeah, I just feel like the whole experience was just, um, there's so much delight and so much wonder and so much openness in what showed up. I think that's such a beautiful message to share because I think people don't equate a cancer journey with those components of life. And I think when we do connect into that, it just brings more joy. Absolutely. And when we go through our life from a place of joy and purpose and positivity, it's such a different journey. Mm-hmm. Even if you're doing the same things yeah. as another person, the journey is so different. Yeah. And I just feel like we could talk all afternoon. <laughs> The time goes so fast. So I want to, I want to end on that, that idea of, of just joy and beauty. And thank you so much for sharing this really snippet of your story today. It's so beautiful. And I love all the people that I talk to and how their journeys are just so lovely. Yeah, I think that's a gift that you're giving all of us being able to share our own experiences and then you being able to share that with so many people to let them know that they get to have their own experience and they could pull nuggets from all of us to make it their own like I did with Chris Carr stuff. But I just am grateful that you're offering this platform and this space for people to just honor who they are and what they're creating and experiencing for themselves. Thank you so much for sharing with me today. Thank you. That was really good. Thank you again, Marlo, for sharing your story with me today. There was so much gold in today's episode. Some of my favorite highlights include finding harmony between Eastern and Western medicine, processing the feelings to act from a place of power and not be ruled by fear, enabling us to do the thing with no regrets. Finding delight, wonder, magic, and surrender in the journey, and that idea that we are not manifesting our cancer. This last item is the one I want to talk about for this week's Personal Consciousness Minute. There are many opinions and beliefs on this topic. I'm a student of universal law. For those of you that have been listening, I'm a big believer in the law of choices. That does not mean I chose my cancer diagnosis. I did, however, like Marlo, choose how I was going to be as I moved through that diagnosis and the journey that has followed. So for today's challenge, I want you to think about a situation that may feel as though it is happening to you. We cannot always control the circumstances in our life. We can, however, control our response. 
How can you infuse delight, wonder, magic, and or surrender into the situation to improve how you feel about it today? Come on over to the Cancer Cliff Notes Facebook group and let me know what improved by changing your perspective. Have a great week and thanks for listening. 